Amen. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And as you're turning there, um, I do want to say it's always, always, every year, it's just awesome to have the Sowers and the Arvix with us. Um, not only because our attendance doubles, but also uh, because they're always a blessing. I, I love the fact that uh, you're serving God the way you are. I love the fact that uh, during the time of worship, we sing together and worship God together. And we're all from different states, different ages, different places. But uh, what unifies us is Christ. And, uh, and that's what's awesome about the church. That's what's awesome about being in Christ is that we're all together. Uh, we all have that uh, common uh, need and a common Savior. And, uh, and it's amazing to just be part of the family of God is, is the greatest thing. And let me just say, if you're here and you're not part of the family of God, listen, you want to join. You really want to join. It's the greatest decision I've ever made in my life, and it'll be the greatest decision you'll make in your life. I can promise you being part of God's family. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, we're starting a brand new series this morning on staying faithful. Staying faithful. You know, I was reading an article. Uh, it's, a, it's an older article. It's actually from 2017, but it caught my eye because the headline was Determined Marathon Runner Rolls Over Finish Line After Collapsing. Now, I want to read you this story because I thought it was an amazing story. It says, an American runner struggling to push her way through a marathon gave new meaning to the phrase, keep it rolling, after she collapsed in the final meters of the race. The exhausted runner, Devin Beeling, had to roll over the finish line at the Tunnel Vision Marathon in Washington State when her legs would no longer carry her. Philip King, a race spectator who captured video of the moment on August 20th, says Beeling had collapsed just a dozen or so meters from the finish line. And after not being able to stand, he says, she began to crawl. After crawling three or four feet, the sharp gravel rocks began to cut her knees and the pain would not allow her to crawl any longer. So after falling flat again, she began to roll. She finished the whole 26.2 miles unassisted, even though she had to roll across the finish line. Philip King said, always keep moving forward no matter what. And this is a photo of her as she was rolling there to the finish line. Philip King uploaded this video that he took to Facebook, and it went viral. Over 52,000 people on Facebook saw it in that first uh, posting, and, and obviously she became a little bit of a phenomenon during that time. Billing herself was asked to comment on the video after, and, and she was trying to explain why she had a role to the finish. She was trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon, and to qualify, you can't have any assistance. You've got to finish the race unassisted, and so she was doing all she could to finish the race, and she said this. She says that at first, she was embarrassed by the video. She was embarrassed that people had to see her kind of roll across the finish line. But she said when she started reading a lot of the comments of people that were inspired by what she did, she kind of changed her outlook. And, and she was even more humbled by the fact that people would even think that that inspired them. By the way, she did qualify for the Boston Marathon because she did what she did. But what struck me about this story was the fact that for Devin, the whole point of why she started this marathon was to finish the marathon. It wasn't to get halfway. 
wasn't to just get as far as she could. The whole thing was for her, I need to finish. I need to finish the race. Do you know that the Christian life is a marathon? It's not a sprint. It's not taking a lap around the track. It's not something that just happens for a few months or a few years. We're talking about decades here. We're talking about something that's going to have its ups and downs. It's going to have its challenges and its times of victory. It's going to have times where you feel defeated. It's, it's a marathon. And I love the fact that Devin had this idea she was going to finish. And I think for every Christian, if you're walking and living the Christian life, you ought to have the mentality, I want to finish this race. Now, we're going to look at a man by the name of Paul. He's writing his last letter that he'll ever write in this life. He's trying to encourage his friend Timothy, who's about to take his place in ministry, and he writes these words starting in verse number six, and I want you to see them this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 6. And by the way, before I read that, if you don't have the notes and you need the notes, you can raise your hand and we'll try to get the notes to you. There are notes in the notes. We, we have all of these verses. Uh, they'll also be on the screen. So if you, if you don't have a Bible today, if you're tuning in online, couldn't find your Bible there at home, just look on the screen. You'll see all the verses and uh, there should be probably a link to the PDF uh, to, to see that. But if you see, if you do need the notes, just, just open, uh, raise your hand, I'm sorry, and, and they'll, um, uh, the ushers or someone back there will, will help you to, to get those, uh, those to them. So, Armando uh, usually is the one that, that helps me. Uh, I think they're on the back table, and uh, there's just a couple here that, that need uh, the notes uh, as you do that. Second Timothy, while he's doing that, Second Timothy chapter number four and verse number six. Here's what he writes. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. In this series, we're going to look at verse number 6, verse number 7, and verse number 8, one verse each week. Now, I know that should mean that every message should be about five minutes, but uh, we might stretch this message out on verse 6 a little bit longer than five minutes. So I hope uh, you'll stay with me and bear with me as we go through this verse, because there's just so much here in verse number 6 that I think is good for us if we're going to stay faithful to the end if we're going to finish the race that we have started in the Christian life. We're going to have to say, like the Apostle Paul did in verse number 6, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. You see, verse number 6 is an inward look. That's why the title of this morning's message is Looking Inward. Do you know, if you're going to finish the race, if you're going to stay faithful to the end, it's going to require you to look inward in your life. It's going to require you and me to kind of pause and see where we're at in the marathon, where we're at in the race, check what our thinking is, check what we're doing and trying to do and saying, I'm going to finish. I'm going to stay faithful to the end. So I want to share with you this morning just two requirements from verse number six that you'll need to have if you're going to finish the marathon, even if it's rolling to the end. 
even just rolling to the end, but finishing the race. I want you to notice, first of all, in your notes, that it's going to require a life that is poured out. A life that is poured out. Now, to give you a little bit of a greater context, as I said, Paul is writing to Timothy. And if you just look at verse number 5, the one right before uh, verse number 6, it says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. Paul is telling Timothy, Now, Timothy, I'm getting to the end of my race, but you're still in your marathon. And I want to just make sure that you're going to finish your race. Now, you're going to endure some afflictions, and there's going to be some hardships, but he he said elsewhere, anyone that's going to live godly and, and, and run this race is going to endure hardships and endure persecution. It's just called being a good soldier in this marathon. But he said, make full proof of thy ministry. Make sure you get to the very end. And as someone that's at the end of their race, let me tell you what I've learned. Let me tell you what I've learned, that I'm ready to be offered up. Now, literally, that word is the Greek word spedomai that he, that he uses for offered up. And that Greek word spedomai, there's only tw- two times that it's used. And it literally means to be poured out. To be poured out. Now, it was referring to the Old Testament. Now, if you know a little bit about the Old Testament, you know that sacrifices were made in the Old Testament. They had a tabernacle and God set up a system whereby he could have a relationship with his people. Jesus had not come yet, had not died on the cross. And so uh, what, what had to kind of mediate that relationship was what we know or what we call the law. It was God's law. And God being a holy God could not have a relationship with an unholy people without some way of being purified, some way of, of having that possibility being met of making the unpure pure. And for that, God set up a system of sacrifices. And there are various sacrifices, and you can read about them in the Old Testament. But what the sacrifices did is that it would cover our sin. It would not take away our sin. It would not forgive totally our sin, but it would cover our sin. And so people could have their sin covered, and in that covering, have somewhat of a relationship with God. Well, part of those offerings had a drink offering with it. And so what would happen is in the morning, every morning, the priest would make this sacrifice to God to make sure that their relationship as a people was going to be right with God. And they would sacrifice a lamb. Now, with that lamb, they would kill the lamb, spill the blood out on the altar, put the lamb on the altar. And before they actually put fire to burn the lamb, they would put a drink offering. They would actually get a drink and pour it all over the lamb. There are different ideas and theories as to what that drink was. It could have been grape juice, it could have been wine, it could have been different things, and uh, it could have been uh, all, they they put oil on it as well, and so uh, there there are different references as to what that drink offering is, but the the, the important part is is that it was poured on there, and that pouring signified something. It, It pointed to the fact that everything was given on that sacrifice, our all, our all was there. And Paul uses that reference and said, listen, when, you, when I give my life here at the end of this race, of this marathon, I'm pouring. I'm literally giving everything I've got. They wouldn't just pour the cup halfway. They'd have to pour everything there on the altar. Paul uses this reference in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 17. 
as well. Uh, it's signifying of pouring himself. I want you to note it says, Yea, and if I be offered up upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. There, that pouring is the same word as here. I'm ready to be offered up. Paul says, if you're going to finish your race, if you're going to stay faithful to the end, you need to have a life that is poured out. Now, let me ask you something, because this is true. My question is, what are you pouring your life into? Because we're all pouring into something. Uh, we, we live in a world where people are pouring into their jobs, and their job is everything. There are others that are pouring into their possessions, and they're hoping that the economy will turn around and Maybe get another tax break in there and, and let jobs start again and everything they have in life is just dependent on that. And that's what they're pouring into. Some are pouring into their celebrity and their fame. Some people are pouring everything they have into their status. And I want you to note that the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy and he's saying, I'm pouring everything I have into God's calling. That's what's important to me. That's what matters to me. And he's telling Timothy, listen, if you're going to finish your race, you know what, Timothy? You're going to have to pour everything you've got into it too. If you're going to make full proof of your ministry, if you're going to endure afflictions, if you're going to overcome the obstacles of your race, you've got to pour everything into it. Now, this means that we have to dedicate ourselves, dedicate ourselves to this cause Dedicate ourselves to the ministry God has given you. Dedicate yourself to loving others, to forgiving others. Dedicating yourself to being uh, faithful and, and coming to God's house and learning uh, God's word and, 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 and being poured into, I'm going to read uh, the Bible and I'm going to try to understand all I can and, and I'm going to take time with God and I'm going to talk and pray with Him and, and I'm going to try to forgive others and love others and, and meet the needs of others if I'm going to pour everything I've got into it, if I'm going to dedicate myself to this. You see, finishing the race in the Christian life requires that kind of dedication. It can't be something that we're just interested in. Paul said to the church in Philippi, this one thing I do, forgetting all things that are behind and pressing forward, looking to those things right, I press toward the mark, this one thing I do. Not these 40 things I dabble in, as D.L. Moody said, but this one thing I do. I pour myself into it. You know, this morning, if we're going to finish this race, it, it's going to require that kind of dedication. We can't be like the chicken in the story of the chicken and pig that wanted to give breakfast the next day. The chicken and the pig are talking, and the chicken says, man, I think we ought to serve breakfast tomorrow. Listen, I'll provide the eggs, you provide the bacon. For the chicken, that's not a problem, but for the pig, it requires everything. That's what it means to be all in. That's what Paul was trying to communicate to Timothy. Listen, pouring my life, I'm ready to be offered, it means I've dedicated everything I've got. As far as I know, I've not seen in scriptures where he had a home base. Where Paul had a, a home that he could come to all the time. Now, I'm sure he stayed in places, but... If you read a little bit about the life and ministry of Paul, you find that 
He was at least beaten three different times on three different occasions. He was in prisons many times, and he was in shipwrecks, and he had people that hated him, and he was stoned once by people that didn't want to hear from him anymore. And he had to endure a lot of afflictions at one point, crying out to God and saying, God, can you take this away from me? And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Don't worry. Just keep going. Just keep pouring. Just keep dedicating yourself. Just stay all in. And Paul is now at the end of his race telling the next generation, Timothy, pour all in. Be dedicated. But not only being dedicated, I love the word that he says before, offered, and that's the word ready. You see, it means to, 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 to be ready means to be that at all times, this is what I'm pouring into. It's not I'm saving up this to pour in later, but it's something in the present, something I'm doing now. He said, be ready. You and I ought to be ready at all times. In fact, in this chapter, at the very beginning, Paul tells Timothy, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. He said, I am now ready to be offered. That pouring isn't for later, it's pouring now. It's wherever God has placed me, that's where I'm pouring. That's where I'm serving. That's where I'm investing. That's where I'm giving. That's where I'm going to be faithful. You know, listen, faithfulness requires preparation. It requires preparation. I love what Paul told the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 down to verse 26. And I'm going to use the New Living Translation on this because I love the way it was translated. It said, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Paul said, I'm ready. I'm here. I'm pouring. Now, listen, I'm also ready to go on to the next stage of existence. I'm ready to go on to eternal life. But before I go, I think God still has something for me to do here for you. So he said, so I'm torn. Do I go? Where, I, where my heart's desire is to be in the presence of God, or, or, or do I stay where there's a great need here for me to continue to serve? The greater point in that passage is that Paul was just ready. He's ready. So you're going to finish that marathon. You've got to be ready. In Acts chapter 20, in verse 24, he's talking to his friends before He's going to go to prison for the last time and be incarcerated and then die a martyr's death. And here's what he told them, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Let me ask you this morning, 
as you think about what you're pouring into in your life. Can I ask you, are you ready in that pouring to serve? Is it something that you're kind of waiting? Well, maybe five years from now I'll do that. Maybe five years from now I'll serve God. Maybe ten years from now I'll give that, uh, that, this money to God. God is saying, but I need you ready now. Ready is something in the present, not something in the future. It's not dwelling on the past, it's being in the present. That's why they say the present is a gift. It's a gift God's given us, but what are we using with the gift that we've received? Paul said, staying faithful to the end, finishing the marathon, is when you're pouring out, dedicating yourself now. Tom Brady is probably considered the greatest quarterback for sure in the NFL, but perhaps the greatest player ever. The man is 44 years old. He's been in the league 21 years. I think this is going to be his 22nd, I think. They're talking about him maybe even being the MVP this year. But what amazes me about Tom Brady, he's been in the league more longer than our teenagers have even been on this earth, okay? Been in the league 21 years, gone 22 years, and what you read about him is his preparation is unbelievable. What he'll do to prepare before a game. There's an article that was written about it. The title of the article was Great Crazy Details of Brady's Game Ball Preparation Routine with the Bucks." Now, this is just what he does with the footballs. And they said that what he'll do, he'll get the equipment manager, and he'll begin three days before the game. So on Thursdays, right before the Sunday game, he'll begin to work the ball that they're going to be using as a team. Now, if you're not familiar with the NFL, each team can choose what footballs they're going to be using when they're on offense. The quarterback can choose. Some quarterbacks want uh, the, the, the ball having a little bit more uh, air than, than others. Some want it worn leather. Some want the, new, the ball new and, and shinier. And, and so each quarterback kind of has their preference of how they want to do that. And, and Brady, of course, just like any of the other quarterbacks in the league, does that. But it's amazing that for three days before, he's got it down to a science. Do you know he'll start rubbing the football and he'll tell the equipment manager, this is how you're going to rub the ball. He'll buy stuff on Amazon, some leather cleaner and, and protector, and, and he'll rub, start rubbing that into the ball. He'll buy special brushes three days before, and he'll be there with the equipment manager saying, this is how I want you to brush the ball. This is how I want it to be uh, ready. This is how much air it needs to have. You know, there's, a, there's a, a requirement that the NFL has for how much air it needs to be in the ball. You can't just use a flat ball. But he says, I, I, I want, to, I want you to, to, to make sure it's nice and worn in and broken in. Brady goes so far as to when he was with the New England Patriots up in the Boston area, he would actually take the footballs and put them in snow. And then he would let them stay in the snow for a while, roll around uh, in the snow, the, and then he'd pick up the ball and he'd start throwing it just to see what the ball would do. If he throws it 20 yards, would the ball stay online or would it, would it go off a little bit? Would it drop a little bit? Would it stay high? He does all of that every week, three days before, just with the ball. That's not counting film that he's watching. It's not counting to see what the safeties do and the linebackers do and what the linemen are doing. It's not just knowing what the plays are for his offense and what he has to call in each situation. That's just what he does with the football. And by the way, it's over 20 balls. They can have 26 balls ready for every game. 
He's doing that with 26 footballs, not just one. Three days before every game. And some people wonder, why does he have seven Super Bowl wins? That's why. Why is it that at the age of 44, he could still pretty much be the MVP of the NFL, a league where the average age is like 24 or 25? Because he's ready. Because he's pouring himself into a game. And we all look, in our society, we admire that. And I, I do. I admire that kind of discipline. I read somewhere that in the 21 years, he's not eaten a strawberry. The diet that it calls for him, to, that he eats and, and practices, doesn't allow him to eat strawberries. He is missing out on the greatest thing in life. But he does it happily, which boggles my mind. Like, seriously, Brady, it's not going to go to your thighs. Just have a little bit of strawberries. Put some whipped cream on it. I'm telling you, you'll love it. But he doesn't. Because he's poured himself into that. Sometimes I wonder if our country hasn't changed because not enough people in the church are pouring in to the cause of Christ. We're pouring into politics thinking, oh, if we can just get the right president in there, then things will change. Listen, four years ago we had a Republican. This four, next four years we'll have a Democrat. Nothing's changing. Oh, well, our economy's changing. Yeah, I'm talking about souls and things that matter. Economies go and fluctuate, okay? Jobs come and go. Money comes and goes. What made this country great wasn't the economic power. I think if you look in history, you'll find it was the spiritual power. Even people that don't go to church, if they're really true historians, would see that that's what was recorded. I believe it was de Tocqueville, a Frenchman that came, said he was trying to look for the secret of the power of the U.S., and he said, I didn't find it until I went into the churches and heard the fiery preaching and the truth of God's word that I found the secret. I'm simply saying today that if we're going to finish and stay faithful to the end, if we're going to be ready to be offered, it means we have to dedicate ourselves. We've got to pour into something that's bigger than us. And the cause of Christ is bigger than us. And if some guy can spend three days breaking in footballs for a stupid game that has no meaning 50 years from now, as I always tell the teens, man, Super Bowls, we're so big, so big on Super Bowls. Well, well who won in 1975 the Super Bowl or, or 1981 or, or pick a year? Half the teens tell me, I don't know. And they don't care. They just want to know who's going to win 2022. Because all that success is forgotten. But even just to be forgotten of what years you won the Super Bowl, he's willing to dedicate himself, and I'm talking about Tom Brady, to doing it. I wonder sometimes if we're not missing the boat on how dedicated and what we're pouring into on the cause of Christ. Paul said, listen, you want to finish your race and make full proof of your ministry? He said, 
You've got to have a life that you're pouring into the cause of Christ. Then I want you to notice the second phrase. He says, I'm ready to be now, ready to be offered. And then he says, and the time of my departure is at hand. The second requirement is a life that's not anchored here. Now, this second truth is just as important as the first. You see, this word departure is the Greek word analyseos, from which we get the word analyze or analysis. It means to move on from. And you know, when being faithful in the Christian life, we must move on to every stage that God has prepared for us. Paul went from establishing one church to moving on and having to establish another church, and then another church. He went from Philippi to Thessalonica to Corinth and many cities just planting and, and doing the work of the ministry for God. When sharing that testimony with people that weren't Christians, he said, listen, I have a heavenly vision and I'm not being disobedient to that heavenly vision. And he would invite others, I hope that you can have that vision and catch that vision that God's given me because he has one for you too. He has something that he wants you to pour into. But you can't be anchored in this. In this life. In other words, we can't become attached. This word, analiseos, was a word that sailors would use much in the, in the time that Paul was writing this. It was used to, to say it's time to pick up the anchor and move on. Uh, the sailors couldn't explore the sea without getting the anchor out of the water to move. And so they would say, hey, uh, we're going to explore the sea today, so analiseos. Get the anchor up. Let's go. The boat can't stay here. Uh, we we got to move on. we got to move forward. And Paul is saying here to Timothy, we got to do the same in the Christian life. He's saying, you know, Timothy, sometimes God's work is going to require change. We're going to have to change. Because we've got to move on. The time of departure is at hand. In the 2,000 years of existence as a church in this world, there's been a lot of change. In 45 years of this ministry in this local church, there's been change. I mean, good night. If you had just been here a year ago, you'd, not, you'd be sitting in pews and not in chairs. You'd see there's been changes in our programming. There's been changes in the needs around us, so we have to change and adapt to meet the needs in families and in our society and in our city. You're saying, Pastor, what is that? Analyseos. It's saying, we've got to move forward. We've got to move on. We've we got to finish the marathon. We're, we're not in it to stop halfway. We're, we're not in it just to see, well, let's just see where this takes us. No. As a church and as a ministry, we've had these changes. We've changed locations. We've changed buildings. We've changed service times. We've changed songs. We've, we've changed programs. Man, we, we've changed so much. So why are we changing so much? Because the time of our departure is at hand. That's why. There's a marathon to finish here. We can't just be attached to one thing. 
Listen, the only thing the Bible tells us to be attached to is the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, sometimes traditions change, and sometimes the needs change, and sometimes programs and buildings change, and decor changes, and that's okay. Paul would say, just don't change in the race that you're going. Don't go backward, we're moving forward. Pick up the anchor and let's go. In Philippians chapter 4, he tells this to the church in Philippi, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how both to be abased and know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That verse isn't applied just to do whatever you want and, and, and make a plan and say, God, you got to bless it. I can do all things through Christ. He was saying, no, no, you can endure things and you can move forward through Christ in what I've called you to do. It's not a verse to just apply to our own desires. The context of that verse is to pick up the anchor and move. It's to pour our life into something greater than us. It's to not get attached to the things of this world. Just attach yourself to Christ. It also means this term, aniliseos, not only sailors used it, but travelers used it. It means to take down the tent. Back in those days, they, there was more nomads at that, that time in the society, and there's probably still some today, but in that society, there, there's people like that. Even in early human History, uh, you go back as far as even as Abraham, thousands of years ago, he was, he was very nomadic in what he did. And they would use this word to say, it's time to take down the tent and go. And what I'm saying is, when I say that, is don't build for the temporal. Not only don't get attached to things, but don't invest in something that's temporal. This world is temporal. This world will not stay forever. This world is not the final destination. There is a greater destination. Can I tell you something? Everything in the Christian life is about the eternal, not the temporary. By the way, that applies to everything. Heartaches and difficulties is temporary. I'm sure Paul had to remind himself of that when he's sitting in a jail cell. This ain't going to be forever. I imagine that when he was taking criticism, he was saying, it ain't going to be forever. I'm saying, I, I, I'm thinking that when, when he had to take down his tent and move on to the next city, he was saying, it's not going to be forever. It's not going to be. I love that the author of Hebrews writes it of the book of, of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 13. He wrote this. He said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country and truly 
they had been mindful to that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now, they desire a better country that is heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. He said they weren't building for the temporary, but for the eternal. If they were building for the temporary, they could go back and live for that. But they sought a better country. A city that God has created. A destination that is greater than this world could ever give. So let me just finish this morning by saying that staying faithful is something we all can do. It's possible for me to finish the marathon and it's possible for you. Could it be that we get close to the end and we collapse and we're going to have to start crawling and, and our knees are going to get cut? It's going to hurt, yeah? Pastor, what do we do when that happens? Start rolling. Just start rolling. I think it was Brother Lester Roloff who used to sing that song of um, It's a Battlefield. My brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. Run if you want to, run if you will. But I came here to stay. I think often of him, and I can hear him on the YouTube channel that I've heard him sing that song. Run if you want to, run if you will. But I came here to stay. When I fall down, going to get back up because I didn't start out to play. It's a battlefield, my brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. So run if you want to, run if you will. But I came here to stay. That's how you finish the race. Not building for the temporary, but for the eternal. Saying there's something I'm pouring into that I'm giving everything I've got for and a life that's not attached, a life that's moving forward. To finish, it requires us to live that life. You know that life is different for those that live this way. Those that are not anchored and those that are pouring out their life for Christ Joy is something that is real and experienced. Purpose is not something having to be searched for. Happiness is displayed on their face. Peace is felt in all circumstances. Patience is given to others. Forgiveness and love are the foundation of their relationship. All this and more for those that are willing to say, I'm going to finish the marathon. I'm just going to stay faithful. Paul said it this way. He says, for now. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. One of the most tragic events during the presidency of Ronald Reagan was the bombing there in Beirut. There was a bombing of the Marine barracks where hundreds of Americans were killed and wounded as they slept. And some of you were alive during that time and can remember as that made news. But a few days after that tragedy, there was a Marine Corps commandant by the name of Paul X. Kelly. And he went to visit some of those Marines that 
survived, were wounded, but they survived. And among them was Corporal Jeffrey Lee Nashton, who was severely wounded. In fact, someone described upon seeing Nashton that he had many tombs running in and out of his body, so many that he looked more like a machine than a man. And as the commanded Kelly went in to see him, Jeffrey, in pain and struggling, got a little piece of paper that was there and a pen. And he really couldn't talk because of the pain and the wounds that he had. But he wrote two words on that paper. He wrote, Semper Fi. And he gave it to Commandant Kelly. Semper Fi is the motto for the Marines. They're two Latin words that say, forever faithful. Thank God for soldiers like Jeffrey that said, ain't done. I'm wounded, but I ain't done. I'm staying faithful. Paul said, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. This morning, you got to look inward. What are you pointing, pouring into? And what are you anchored to in life? Pour into the cause of Christ and anchor yourself in Christ. You'll never regret it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Thank you for the life of the Apostle Paul. Father, I feel like we need more of that today. We need to stay faithful in 2022. I don't know what may have happened in 2021 in the experiences of our lives. I know that in 2020, the world turned upside down. And in the course of these last two years, many have said, I'm done. And Father, they've quit the marathon. They feel like they can't make it to the finish line. Oh, I pray. I pray that your truth would bring to them the hope and the understanding that they can finish. They can finish. There's still something for them to pour into. But there's still something they need to let go of and they can anchor themselves in Christ. Oh, Father, I pray that that would ever be our thought, our mentality is staying faithful. As the piano plays this morning, perhaps you're here and you're saying, Pastor, you know what? That's what I want. I'm in this race of the Christian life. I understand it's a marathon, but I want to make it to the end. I want to keep pouring. And I want to stay anchored in Christ. Would you just pray for me that in 2022 I can do that? If that's a decision you're making, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything directly towards you. I just want to pray for you. God bless you. I see that. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I haven't even started that race. And you start that race when you come to a relationship with Christ and 
Perhaps this morning you're saying, hey, Pastor, I need to start that relationship with Christ. I've never started a relationship, and I'd like to. Listen, I can have someone show you this morning how you can start that relationship. If that's a decision you're making, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to, once again, point you out or try to embarrass you. I just I want to help this morning. Father, this morning, you've seen our hands, but you've also seen our hearts. And Father, I don't know what afflictions await. I don't know what 2022 holds. But I do know we want to stay faithful. As a church and as Christians, we want to get to the end. So I pray that you would help us to do that. Help us to serve and pour in this whole year. Help us not quit. And then help us not to be anchored into the temporal, but in the eternal. Work in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.